This is High Stakes from Gerard Phillips, Kate and Hancock. This is Jay Insights on the High Stakes Podcast. The severity of the coronavirus continues to grow and with it, the buzz and concern and even fear. At the same time, it's not yet a big issue here in the US. Hospitals here generally aren't on the front lines of combating the outbreak. In this conversation, our CEO, David Gerard, speaks with Senior Managing Advisor, Eileen Bennett, about the situation and that kind of gap between the attention that's being paid to coronavirus with what's happening within the walls of US hospitals. I'm here today with my longtime colleague, Eileen Bennett, who's been with the firm for six years and has worked with a number of clients on behalf of the firm across the country. Um, we've been watching closely, like all of us have, the um, outbreak of the coronavirus in, in China and its spread across the, the globe and the media attention that it has received. Uh, we thought it'd be great to spend some time with Eileen because a few years ago, she spent a lot of time working with our hospitals and health systems as they were grappling with the Ebola outbreak in the United States and wanting to be sure that they were not only prepared internally for that crisis, if it were to make its way into their doors, but they were dealing with the media and community concerns, whether it actually showed up there or not. And we've been thinking about that as the coronavirus coverage has continued and has increased and seems to be making its way into the United States. We thought spending some time with Eileen would give us some perspective on that. So I think one of the uh, the differences between you know now and the Ebola crisis of 2014 was the fact that you know the Ebola crisis here in the U.S. was really centered around one particular hospital, really. So you know Texas Health Presbyterian in Dallas had one of the the first couple of confirmed cases. And so, you know, there was all this media attention uh, around Presbyterian and media reports of, of it really becoming a ghost town in some ways. So many patients were uh, canceling their appointments and nurses and physicians were concerned about coming to work. And so not only was it uh, a concern for them and for other hospitals in terms of dealing with Ebola and, and, and that perspective, but there was a reputational issue as well. And so I think that was sort of an eye-opener for a lot of our clients across the country during that Ebola crisis, because there was that concern of, well, what are we going to do if, if that happens to us? And so I think that issue in and of itself made our other clients more fearful, and, and they were reaching out to us just saying, hey, like we need to get a plan in place for this. We need to know how to respond. We need to know how to reassure people. Um, and so I think it, that was really one of the reasons that it became such a bigger conversation with our clients in particular. Yeah, because at the time it was a dramatic business event all right, for these organizations. So far, the coronavirus is not that. The flu is a terrible event that happens every year to different degrees, and this is added to that. But it's, it's other than the some of the media coverage on the outside, it's not yet reached that peak, and we hope it doesn't in the in the U.S. But it's still an opportunity because it, it, it is a virus, mm-hmm. right? And it's an opportunity for our hospitals and health systems and any caregiver to use it as a, as a bridge to teaching about how to stay healthy, do the things that you normally do for good health. Um, so when the media does call about it, and they eventually will, I suspect, unless it totally fades away, there's an opportunity not to not to be dismissive of it, but to use it as an opportunity to do something good. Right. You know, I think hospitals have a number of opportunities here. I think, of course, first, 
it's important to have that crisis communication plan in place, right? To know if we have a patient who's exhibiting these symptoms, how would we communicate about this? Who would need to approve the materials? What's, what is the message that we would deliver? Who's the right person to deliver that message? Do we have the right channels in place to share it? Um, so really having a, a clearly defined response prepared ahead of time, or at least an approach to how we would develop that response. And I think that, you know, it's, it's such an important opportunity to not only prepare for that crisis, but to take a, a really hard look at the communications practices and channels and approach that we have in place. Even if we're not dealing with a crisis right now, we know that it's a great time to, to take a really hard look and think about, the you know, do we have an engaged staff? Do our physicians and employees feel comfortable asking questions if they're concerned? How are we communicating and engaging with them today? Um, do we need to reassure our team members? Mm-hmm. And what does that mm-hmm. look like? Yep. Um, so even if we're not dealing today with an active case of this, we are leaders in our communities. Um, we play a really important role in reassuring our team members and the patients that we serve. And so what are some things that we could be doing now to be leaning into that conversation? And when we talk about getting ready, I mean, the kind of questions that uh, that we would ask a, a client of ours or a client might ask themselves is, what is our message, right? What, what are we going to say? Uh, how are we going to bridge to bigger things that we want to say? And I think importantly in this case, who says it? Um, I mean, sometimes in a crisis plan, the first response is almost a written response or there's a spokesperson response, which can be great. But as, as a clinical issue and as a medical issue and people wanting to hear from a physician or a nurse, I mean, we often find that a, that a caregiver is usually the best messenger. Right. Exactly. That's exactly right. I mean, it's really important to know who is that physician leader that we would tap to communicate about this if we need to and making sure that that person feels comfortable, that they're media trained, that they uh, have the right relationships with their medical staff. Um, all of those things, because absolutely, you want to see a, a white coat reassuring their teams and the community that we have a plan in place, that um, we're doing everything that we can, and that we are committed to protecting our patients and making sure that patient care is front and center of everything mm-hmm. that we do. So one, one thing you mentioned earlier, which I, I just want to elevate because I thought it was just right, is I mean, you talked about our message to the to the community through the media, but also a message internally to our staff um, that as leaders of a healthcare system, we're, we care about them mm-hmm. so they can care about others. Any, any more about that? Yeah, you know, I think right now, even if we're not dealing, um, you know, with a specific case uh, of this to, to communicate about, I think having a reassuring message will go a really long way to reminding our our team members that we are committed like you said not only to the care of our community but to them mm-hmm. um and so reminding them that you know we have these infection protocols in place these are the ways that we're working to keep you safe this is what you do if if you're concerned about something these are the questions that you ask so making sure that our team members feel like they have the the resources in place right. to ask the right questions and making sure they know what those are it's reminding them that their care and well-being is 
is incredibly important to us and and saying it mm-hmm. um, and doing it in a lot of ways. You know, uh, providers are very busy and they don't always read their email or that, you know, there's not just one way to reach them. And so figuring out how do we get that message across? I really love the point of not just doing it, but, but saying it because so many times in leadership, because you're right, they're so busy, they just assume goodwill. Uh, I assume the nurses and physicians should know that I'm looking out for them or doing my best to look out for them. And so we don't stop and take the time to actually say it or point it out um, and miss an opportunity, right? right, To express what they are doing. And also it's an opportunity missed by physicians and nurses to hear that uh, and be assured by it. Right. Because sometimes you just don't know when things are missed in the silence. That's absolutely right. And so it, it all starts with culture. It all starts with having good engagement practices in place, making sure that that we're communicating effectively, that we're sharing information, that we're answering questions. And so, you know, it, it's it's getting away from a culture of um, of bureaucracy or fear or shutting people down or even busyness, frankly. I mean, I think we can all have the best of intentions, but be too busy, you know, to to really hear people. Um, and so giving people an opportunity to, to, to share and contribute. It's a really important point um, because even in, for most of our markets today, it is not an issue and hopefully will never be. It's still a stress point that's an opportunity right, where hospitals and health systems and other providers of care can sort of live up to their mission and reflect that with their, with their staff and, and with their community. Mm-hmm. And just having this uh, conversation, I'm thinking about some of the other conversations we've had around this table, which have been about how hospitals have been the target of billing practices and the questions about their revenue, questions about their mission, really questioning sort of why you continue to exist, hospital. Um, what we're talking about here is the reason, right? Mm-hmm. They continue to exist that when when it hits the fan, the hospitals are on the front line, mm-hmm. right? And it can be a reminder of for all these other issues that we're dealing with. The essential nature of hospitals is unquestioned. This is a, one of those reasons behind it. That's right. We're the the people that you know and trust. We're your friends and neighbors, and not only that, but you know it goes back to that that wellness message. We're committed to keeping you healthy and well, and and we're doing that in a number of ways. One of those is is making sure that we're on the front lines in our community, of preparing to deal with this if we need to. We're at the ready if and when we need, need to deal with this. So it's it's nothing that you need to worry about. We hope you never come, but if you do need to come, we're here for you. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>